0: Hi, welcome to What Are the Tax Implications? I'm Ron Scott. I'm Jeff Rosenthal. We are your first call tax advocates here once again to help increase your financial and tax knowledge. In today's episode, we'll be talking about topics from callers, such as, I am an independent contractor now, but I was a W-2 employee, and what is a gig worker? and what's the classification of employment, and what are the tax implications. Additionally, we'll be talking about the non-filer, maybe the person who doesn't know they have to file, or forgot to file, or eventually will file, or thinks they are better off avoiding filing. And lastly, we'll be talking about the basic estate planning documents that are needed by all the will the power of attorney etc on what are the tax implications
1: Whether you're the CEO of your household or of your business, questions constantly arise regarding the tax consequences of your financial circumstance. First Call Tax Advocates is always here to answer your questions and offer educational background regarding the potential tax implications of your action. Ron and Jeff are your first responders. They are board certified financial and tax professionals with over 60 years of experience. Please visit their website firstcalltaxadvocates.com. That's firstcalltaxadvocates.com. Learn more about them, explore their resources, and leave a review of your experience. For more urgent matters, please call them toll-free at 833-568-8999. That's 833-568-8999.
0: The topics and responses discussed here are intended for general education. Our discussions are not intended to give you advice on your specific situation. We would advise you to seek advice from a competent and licensed professional. Tax law is always evolving, and our discussions are based on the law existing to date. Our first caller, is Wally from Weehawken. A little background on Wally. He was working as a W-2 employee, very happily, providing for his family with full benefits. Then the coronavirus pandemic had an impact, an economic impact on his job. His supervisors, the owners of the company, felt that Wally was essential to them. So, Though Wally is laid off from work as a W-2 employee, they hired him back as an independent contractor. We'll be talking about Wally's situation. So, Jeff, um, how are you today? How was your Memorial Day weekend? Memorial Day weekend was great, Ron. How are you? Doing well. Um, We're we're back behind the mics. And... uh, It was uh, lovely spending time with family, but then reality hits. And that's what's happened with our friend Wally here. Wally is working. He's collecting compensation, Jeff. But it's gone from W-2 compensation to 1099. Basically, what does that mean?
2: Well, we get a number of calls every year on this situation, And it is a subject that the IRS does look at frequently, um, uh, employment misclassification. What are you? Are you an employee? Are you an independent contractor? Many companies, for economic reasons, want people as independent contractors because they don't have to pay benefits. They don't pay unemployment insurance. They don't pay workman's comp. Um, And the companies think that it's a way for them to save money, but that's not really what this is about. And when the IRS does uh, inquire, they usually get themselves in trouble.
0: Who gets themselves in trouble?
2: The employer, not the employee.
0: Okay. Okay. When you say they. The employee
2: is... Innocent, He's just looking to or she's just looking to have the income come through and doesn't really understand all of these games that are being played. Uh, the IRS does understand them and uh, they're not happy. So
0: presently, Wally's classification of employment as he's collecting money as an independent contractor would be what? Is he is he a 1099 worker? Is he a small business owner? Is he a gig worker? Wally wants to know.
2: Wally, those are outstanding questions. Uh, so when you receive a 1099, it is generally reported on a schedule C sole proprietor on a, on the tax return that makes you a small business by definition. You may not consider yourself a small business, because you're doing the same work you once did before on salary, but you are a small business. And the same thing would be true for a gig worker. I work uh, one day here doing this. I work one day there, two days there, three days. So if you're not an employee receiving a W-2, a regular income, uh, then you are an independent contractor. Now, there are consequences to the misclassification for the employer, for the person paying you, not for the person receiving.
0: Now, Wally, when he files his taxes, he's gonna to have to work with a tax preparation professional who obviously will fill out the correct forms, schedules, etc. In In Wally's circumstance, what happens to his uh, social security or self-employment income? Is there any impact? He's used to paying 6.2% Social Security, 1.45% Medicare. Will he have to still pay that?
2: Well, so it's a great question. So as an employee, you pay 7.65, and Ron broke down the difference of those when you're an employee self-employed, you pay both halves of that and your employer pays an equal amount to that. You pay half and your employer pays half. When you're self-employed, you pay both of those. So it's costing you a lot to do the same work that you once did before.
0: I really hope that Wally got an increase only because he loses his fringe benefits. He loses his health insurance. He loses his Matching potentially retirement or maybe they were funding. It seems like while he's lost a lot of benefit, but he's still being compensated, so he's happy about that. But in the end, he's going to have less money potentially because of that self-employment tax.
2: That's true. And we also find that when people get their gross, gross salary, their gross income, very few of them actually put money away for taxes to be paid. And then... When they finally come to do their tax return, they end up with a rather large bill that they weren't expecting. They knew they weren't paying any taxes, but their head was buried in the sand and they, they, they act surprised.
0: So Wally's question can lead to longer and longer discussions about classification of employment. But there are, there are protections afforded an employee under the ERISA Act of 1974, where there actually would be some rights (laughs) that Wally has. As an independent contractor, well, they actually made some changes um, temporarily this year because of the uh, the pandemic, which includes an independent contractor being able to receive unemployment. Now, we've discussed this in past episodes. You may want to review those. Um, But in this uh, case, Wally, Uh, Good to know that uh, you are tuned in to the reclassification of your job, and hopefully things will get to a point where you can be called back to work and be a fully-fledged W-2 worker. My fingers are crossed, and good luck, Wally. Our next caller is Richie from Roanoke, and he has an interesting situation He has close neighbors, wonderful neighbors, Jeff. I mean, these are are people who are essential workers. We're talking about a nurse and a police officer who have children who are in grade school. And, you know, Richie, who he works, he's an attorney, and he's been busy, and everybody's busy, and everybody's worried. But something's come up. Richie's daughter, Debbie, has been asked by the nurse and police officer— names withheld you know Richie wants to be careful even though that uh, you know they could have changed names to protect the innocent he just wants to say nurse and cop so nurse and cop have approached his daughter about babysitting the kids during summer camp Um, Unfortunately, the 10-year-old and eight-year-old who have struggled through school are um, now not gonna be able to run around all summer long, so Debbie is going to watch the children. The deal that was cut, Jeff, is that nurse and cop are going to pay Debbie cash. What are the tax implications? Does she have to file?
2: Oh, the little hairs on the back of my neck are itching because there's so many ways this conversation can go. Uh, Debbie and Richie, uh, as we talked about in previous episodes, all income is taxable. uh, And certainly babysitting would be taxable income. So Debbie would have to report for any number of reasons.
0: So a little more to the story. Debbie files her taxes because she has a part time job. She's also claimed as a dependent by Richie and Richie's wife. So she has full intention of filing, and she knows that this income is going to have to be accounted for. So um, Richie, of course, will continue to file with his daughter as a dependent, even though there's not much that we get anymore about the dependency exemption, right, Jeff?
2: (laughs) That's yeah. true until yeah. the law changes. That's the way it is right. now. The
0: tax Cuts and Jobs Act took away that benefit, but it raised the standard deduction and the t- child tax credit. Well, we don't need to get into that. So, let's get back to the story here because this is about this is about potential representation because of non-filing by somebody. So, let's go to the nurse and the cop for a moment. They're going to be paying cash for Debbie's services this summer as a babysitter. And you know watching watching the children is no easy task so Debbie would have really earned her compensation. But the nurse and cop when filing their taxes in April is there any way for them to include this expense as a deduction Jeff?
2: No. Uh, Because they're paying cash, because they're not paying a formal salary, they're not going to be able to claim dependent care paid with cash. And they have other, they have liability issues. If uh, Debbie is preparing dinner for the kids and cuts herself real bad, and you can have workman's comp, you can have this, that, and the other thing. There are all kinds of complications by just simply paying cash because it is not that simple.
0: So let's make it a little bit more complex. Then what should the nurse and cop do?
2: They should actually hire a payroll company to do a domestic worker um, payroll. And then they would also need workman's comp. Uh, They would pay all the proper taxes, have all the documentation, give Debbie a W-2, not just cash. Then they will be... uh, They'll be in a position to avail themselves of the dependent care expense and take a tax deduction for it.
0: So there are steps that the nurse and the cop could take. It's a little bit of work, you know, the things that Jeff talked about. But let's talk a little bit about um, filing, you know, having to file, and the this non-filer that we've heard about. A non-filer is a person who didn't file their taxes. What are some of the reasons to not file your taxes, Jeff?
2: Oh my God. Procrastination, avoidance, just don't think you have to file, or then there's the inevitable game player.
0: Right. So again, the limit, once you've hit $400 of income, you are required to file.
2: That triggers the Social Security tax calculation, and if your income is, say, $500, you have to file, you're only going to pay Social Security and no income taxes, but you are still required to file. Okay. So,
0: what about the person who forgets to file? Are they required to file if they just honestly forgot?
2: No. They are required to file. And honestly, how do you forget that you made income and that we have to file tax returns every okay. year at the same time? But yes, there are people yeah. who do so that. Who
0: forget or procrastinate. Um, what about the person who is getting a refund and decides, oh, we talked about that, didn't we? We did. We talked about the the person that now has all these refunds coming in, these statute of limitations, right? We did. Okay. So if you're getting a refund, you're going to want your money, so then you're going to have to file. What about you mentioned something about the person avoiding filing or playing the game?
2: Yeah, there are there are people who think that they're gaming the system by not reporting their income and spiting the government for taxes. And in the end, they're ineligible for Social Security, for unemployment. If they get hurt, they their workman's comp. They, but, you know, they were playing the game.
0: And we've had a few of those people that we've represented. So let's sum this up. So our friends in Roanoke, um, take take the education from this session and apply it. Maybe Richie can have an off-the-record discussion with the nurse and the cop about what possibly to do. And those who forget or are late or procrastinate, all right, well, you know, wake up, catch up. And those who are playing the game, proceed with caution. Richie,
1: Debbie, good luck. Remember, the first call tax advocates, Ron and Jeff, are your first responders board certified professionals over 60 years of experience. Visit their website, firstcalltaxadvocates.com. That's firstcalltaxadvocates.com. Learn more, explore, and leave a review. For more urgent matters, call them toll free at 833 568 That's 833-568-8999. And for you subscribers, we offer a complimentary consultation to discuss your tax matter. Our next caller is Dom
0: from Duluth. And Dom just celebrated his 70th birthday with his family over Memorial Day weekend, Jeff. But here's a veteran, Vietnam War veteran, celebrating his birthday on Memorial Day weekend.
2: Hey, Dom, two things. Happy birthday and thanks for serving. Dom
0: had some awkward moments with his family, Jeff, over the weekend because he has three kids and they asked him if he had his affairs in order. Now, Dom is a widower and his wife passed away a number of years ago and the kids really weren't involved, but now for some reason they're getting involved and they want to know if his affairs are in order. So. What does that mean, Affairs in order, Jeff?
2: Well, in its simplest terms, it means are there legal provisions? So is there the legal paperwork there to help if Dom falls into really bad health, if he's um, worse than that, or if Don passes, um, does uh, does there is there a, a, a formula for uh, distributing the money to the heirs? So there has to be some type of a scheme, some type
0: of a formula, as you say. So Dom really didn't take well to this, especially on his birthday, to be talking about his death day or his incapacity.
2: Dom, I totally understand that. So
0: <laughs> so um, Dom got a little, uh, little uh, agitated and the conversation stopped, the mood changed, and then Dom woke up this morning and pulled out his phone and decided to give us a call. So so he'd like to know, are his kids right? Should he get his affairs in order? So we're going to talk about basic estate planning documents for anybody. But in this case, we'll focus on Dom's situation. A 70-year-old who has done nothing from an estate planning standpoint. So... Let's go down the list, uh, Jeff. What are the, what are the top basic documents that Dom needs?
2: Dom, I should say first that Ron and I can probably talk about this subject for days, and my guess is we'll probably have other podcasts about this very same subject. But you certainly want to have a power of attorney to enable one or more of your kids or trusted um, um, significant people in your life to make decisions in the event you're incapacitated. Uh, you certainly want a health care proxy. If you're in the hospital and can't represent yourself, you want somebody else to represent for you. And um, a living will, which is a important document with a terrible name because it has nothing to do with wills, is the right to die. You know, how if you fall into really bad, bad, bad shape, how do you want to be treated? Do you want medications? Do you not want it? Do you want to be fed? Do you not want to be? Do you want to be hydrated? What do you want? And th- those are the things that are covered under a living will. As contrasted to an actual will or a will substitute, how are you going to pass your assets along to your beneficiaries? Um, and then the last thing is, if you fall, you're still alive, but you've really fallen into really bad health. Um, you want a guardianship for your for your person, for your for your body. Uh, who's going to make those decisions if you can't make them for yourself? We want that paperwork done uh, in the Professions. We call that a will kit, which is a nice name, but it's an informal name. It doesn't really exist. Uh, It's just a package of documents that most attorneys prepare.
0: So, Dom, let's think about what Jeff just said, right? He's bringing up some important documents, but you know what? This is an education session, it's not an advice session. Maybe you want to reach out to a local. Uh, estate planning elder law attorney. Ask some questions. You can go online. Maybe somebody in your family is working with an attorney. And consider discussing some of the things that Jeff pointed out um, with that attorney. We do not do what lawyers do. We are not licensed to do so, but we can educate and we like to steer our our clients towards those types of professionals. I just want to add one thing that I found to be very important as a basic document, Jeff, and that's the letter of instruction. So the letter of instruction is not inside of the will. It is actually a separate document that is not enforceable in court. But what it does is it gives that personal representative clear instructions of what to do with certain things that are important to you. For instance, there may be there may be uh, sentimental valuables that you have. and you want to say make sure that my granddaughter gets my jewelry that she likes to play with. Make sure that my daughter-in-law gets my, T-Fal cooking uh, appliances because she so admired them. There could be something in that letter of instruction that is not specifically laid out in the will. And also, most importantly, how the body is to be handled. And if there will be some type of a funeral wake or viewing of some sort. So, again, basic documents, power of attorney, healthcare proxy, living will will guardianship and the letter of
2: instruction we have all lost people and unfortunately too often we have this discussion if they only left us instructions we would know what to do so now we're just making up decisions on our own so a letter of instruction or some people even video that or whatever just a a um A clear set of what you want when something happens to you will help out everybody and it'll clear up all the confusion. I hope things
0: get better uh, between you and your family members, Dom, and good luck. Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the show. You probably have additional questions, don't you? We are your first call. Remember, everyone's situation is unique. But we should be your first call. We are your first responders. The 911 operator
2: doesn't call you. Please call us toll free at 833-568-8999. Again, 833-568-8999. And visit our website at firstcalltaxadvocates.com. We'd love to know what you've learned today. So please leave a review
0: on our website. We have attempted to appeal to a broad audience, but we want to help everyone if we can. In our next episode of What Are the Tax Implications, we'll be talking about the following topics. The responsible person. When the taxpayer doesn't pay their taxes, could somebody else end up being responsible? And we'll talk about CNC, currently not collectible. When a taxpayer just can't pay the liability, they just don't have the money to pay. What are the tax implications? And lastly, the dynasty trust, where generational wealth continues on and
2: on and on.